This happened back in the summer of 1999. I was driving a blue Chevy S10 truck, 96 model, I believe. I had just stopped at a local service station and filled up on gas and bought a Mountain Dew. I had Faith No More's The Real Thing in the CD player on random, and when I started up the truck, surprise, you're dead, started playing, and I really didn't think anything of it. I was turning left onto the highway, so I looked right to make sure it was clear. There was a log truck about a quarter mile down, plenty of time to make it. This is where reality went wrong. I pulled out onto the lane, and just at that moment I did, I thought the earth had exploded. The entire world was spinning in a storm of dust, sparks, and screeching metal. The truck's air brakes bellowed like a nightmare creature as it obliterated the front of my vehicle, spinning it counterclockwise and then crushed the S10's bed. I came to a sudden stop, stunned by the experience. The dust and smoke outside the truck obscured all around me. I pushed at the door, not even noticing the ease in which it opened, and I stepped out into the muddy ditch. I was finally able to see it. I was a good 20 feet to the left of where I had been. The log truck was about 50 yards away, upside down, and looking as if it had hit the ground like a meteor, the earth around it pushed away and slightly smoking. People came running to both vehicles, talking to me, telling me to sit down in case I had a concussion or internal injuries. Emergency crews arrived shortly, cutting the other driver out of the cab of his truck. I later found out that he was injured pretty badly, broken legs, fractured collarbone, lacerations from broken glass, diesel poisoning. It had poured down on him while he was upside down in the truck. I didn't have a single scratch, bruise, or hair out of place. I hadn't even been wearing a seatbelt. I looked at my truck, and the cab section was completely undamaged. No glass broken, no dents, no scratching. The side mirrors were still in the right placement. The front and rear of the truck were completely destroyed. The rear was nearly severed from the rest, and one of the wheels was in a ditch a few feet away from me. By all rights, I should have been dead. After the accident was investigated, they ruled it that the circumstances were unable to determine if either one of us was clearly at fault. The strangeness of the log skid marks from where it hit the brakes estimated that it had to be going around 60 miles per hour when it hit, but the marks left by my truck and the trailer estimated that it had to be moving much, much faster, in excess of 100 miles per hour. There was no way, as far away as it was down the highway when I looked right, that it could have closed the distance and time it took me to ease out onto the highway. No way. No way that my truck should have not had every bit of glass shattered and the cab destroyed. Did I space out just long enough for it to get that far? Did it slip through some rip of time? Was I supposed to actually live that day, or was my number being called? I'll never really know. I have never been a great timekeeper and was often late for things. This particular evening, I had to arrange to take my girlfriend to the cinema, but I had got home from work a little late and by the time I left home after getting myself ready, we didn't have long to get to the cinema before the film start time. I jumped into my car, a 92 Fiat Punto which was extremely common in the UK at the time for young drivers, as they were cheap to insure. 
and put my foot down a little to try to claw back some time. I turn a corner a little too fast onto the last straight road to my girlfriend's house. To my surprise, the road was clear of traffic this evening, so I kept going a little faster than I should. I reach down to skip the track on my stereo and look back up, and I suddenly see halfway down the road, a figure had appeared out of nowhere. The figure stood in the middle of the road, holding his hand out for me to stop. As I get closer, I noticed it was a police officer, and I thought, oh shit. I slow my car and I pulled over to the side of the road to stop. I opened my window and the officer walks to me, and he asks me in a stern voice to exit the vehicle and come to the back of the car. I got out as instructed, and he starts asking me questions. Where I was going, where I was coming from, how long had I been driving, the usual. He then asks me about the excessive speed on the road and I apologized, and explained that I was late picking up my girlfriend. Not that it was an excuse, and I expected him to give me a ticket on the spot. The police officer then pulls out a small notepad and a tiny pencil. He scrolls through a number of pages with lots of notes that I didn't catch, until he finds a blank page. As his head was down, looking at his pad, he asks me for my number plate. I read it out to him, and he jotted it down. And once finished, he looks up at the plate and asks why my number plate was yellow. I explained it came with the vehicle. He then asks me what the make and model was. As mentioned above, it was a Fiat Punto, to which the officer said, Never heard of that model before, and he added it to the notebook. He puts his notepad and pencil away in his jacket, and it's at that point that I notice his uniform. It wasn't the type of uniform we had in the early 2000s in the UK, but rather something much more old-fashioned from the 50s or 60s. The helmet, buttons, and boots, everything was in pristine condition. The officer then explains he would take his notes back to the station this evening, and that he and the other officers would keep an eye out for me in my speeding. He then said I should also get my rear plate changed back to the standard black color, otherwise I may get a fine next time. He then gave me a warning and wished me on my way. I jump back in my car, put on my seatbelt, and look in my rearview mirror as I pulled away. I glance forward for a couple of seconds and then look back in my mirror, and the officer was gone. I had a clear view of the road behind me on either side, as it was a straight road, but the officer had vanished into thin air. It wasn't until I got home after the cinema that I started thinking about what happened and something didn't match up. My first thought that it was someone in a fancy dress, but the uniform was much, much better quality and well looked after to be a cheap fancy dress. I then thought about some of the comments and wondered about where this officer may have come from. I did some research and I came to these conclusions for these questions. Why was my rear number plate yellow, and why should I change it back to the black plate? In the UK, since 1973, all rear number plates need to be reflective yellow. Vehicles before this year were black. Had never heard of a Fiat Punto. As I mentioned, this was a very common car during the time in the UK. Any current police officer would have known this. My thought is due to the questions, his outfit, and vanishing act, that he may be from another time period and glitched into my reality. Or if he was a spirit of the dead police officer who doesn't realize he's dead and continues his beat. There is a slim chance that it's some police hobbyist who likes walking around late at night and stopping traffic, but that would be much more boring.
This happened just before lockdown here in the UK. My parents had bought a barn conversion up on the coast of West Wales, and those of you who know the area know how narrow the lanes are and how isolated it can be. My dad and I decided to go to the local Morrisons, which is about a 25-minute drive away from the house, and consists of mainly country lanes and back roads. It was getting dark, and my dad was driving slightly too quickly for the conditions in his Range Rover, which takes up the entirety of the lane. There's only about half a foot on either side of the car when this tractor appears out of nowhere when we make the bend to go over the bridge. My dad slams on the brakes and I close my eyes. We were going about 50 miles an hour and the tractor was so close that there was no way we could have avoided the impact. But rather than crashing, our car turned off completely. We had a complete electrical failure. And when opening my eyes, the tractor wasn't in front of us anymore. Rather, it was behind, still moving, down the road. My dad's car turned on by itself, and we both looked at each other pale-faced. There was no way it could have gotten around us, and there was no way we could have avoided impact. When my grandparents were very young, right after they got married, they went to Devon for their honeymoon, which was about 60 years ago. Now, they'd been to Devon many times in a similar spot, and they were reasonably familiar with the area. They decided to go on a stroll one afternoon down a forest track. After about half an hour or so, they stumbled upon a gorgeous old-worldly tea room, and so they decided to go in for a little snack. My grandmother had a tea cake and my granddad a scone and a pot of tea between them both. They particularly enjoyed the tea and asked what brand it was so they could purchase it for themselves. What struck them the most about this quaint little tea room was how old-fashioned it was. Even the waitresses were wearing uniforms, which seemed a little out of date, but were still very smart, and everyone was busy working hard. They spoke again to their waitress, paid, and complimented how wonderful it was. After about a week, they decided to return because they had enjoyed it that much, and they were eager to get another cup of tea. So off they went down the path, and they took every single step exactly as they remembered to get to the tea room. When they finally reached where it should have been, which wasn't difficult to remember the route, they came to a dead end, no tea room, just a wall of row upon row of adult trees. They just couldn't understand it, it was impossible. They had followed the route perfectly, and yet there was no sign whatsoever of this tea room. Confused and dumbfounded, they wandered around the woods for a bit more, putting it down to their own silliness and getting lost. After a while, they crossed paths with an elderly woman who was walking her dog, and they stopped and asked her where they could find the little old-fashioned tea room. The woman looked confused and told them there was no such tea room in the forest, and that she had lived in the area her whole life, so she would know. My grandparents started to feel delusional, and they told the woman that they had actually been there a week ago, and had gone in for a bite to eat and drink, so it was impossible. The woman seemed very confused and said they must be mistaken. The only tea room which was in the woods had been closed down many, many years ago, before my grandparents were even born, but she had been to it as a little girl. 
After pressing the woman a little harder and describing the tea room with as much detail as they could remember, even down to the tea brand, she was dumbfounded and agreed it sounded exactly like the tea room she remembered as a child. They parted ways and joked that it must have been a slip in time. My grandparents still tell the story with so much detail, it fascinates me. I think it's an amazing story and by far my favorite glitch tale. The funniest thing is, the tea brand still existed after all those years. This happened years ago, but I still remember it like it happened yesterday. I was with my boyfriend at the time, waiting for a bus on a really long main road. As we were waiting, I happened to see an old lady walking in our direction from ages away, and something about her caught my attention. She was small and old, but was hobbling towards us so quickly, and with what seemed to be such purpose. I don't know why, but I just felt like she was looking straight at me, even though she was kind of far away. As she got closer, I noticed that she was indeed looking at me, with a warm smile on her face, slightly out of breath. She was just full on staring at me. She crossed the road and walked straight up to me as if she had known me for a lifetime. She put her arms on my shoulders and told me, You are the sole proprietor of your own body. She just stood there smiling at me. She seemed relieved as if she had just made it in time to give me this message. It wasn't creepy at all, just a bit confusing, and so I asked her if she would explain what she meant. She simply said, Nobody can touch you if you don't let them, my dear. It's your body. Nobody can put their hands on you if you don't allow it. And just like that, she left. Literally that same day was the first time my ex was physically violent with me. This always stuck with me. Not saying she was an angel or something like that, but maybe she was just an old lady with really good timing. But it's something that I've never forgotten. I worked in a different town from where I lived, about 60 miles away from my house to my job. I was the only maintenance employee at this 72-room hotel. I almost always wore my ring regardless of what task I was doing, as my mom gave it to me, and it holds quite a bit of sentimental value. I know I had it that day, as I took it off when I had to add more bromine to the hot tub feeder. I was pulling weeds outside with my gloves on, and when I took my gloves off, my ring flew off with it. I was standing in the landscaping rocks, and I heard it. I start looking in the general area it fell off, and I couldn't find it. It's gold, and these rocks are white, and fairly flat. I gave up and decided that it was under some rocks and I just had to get a metal detector to find it tomorrow. I didn't think anybody was going to go digging in the landscaping rocks anyway. I got home later that night, still thinking about the metal detector, and then there it is. My ring. It was covered in dirt and everything, and was sitting on the chair that I always sit in. <laughs> 